Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football with Dan Weber, beat writer and columnist here at uscfootball.com. Got a lot of questions about what's been going on down at USC Spring Football. Three weeks down, two weeks to go. They start practice again a little bit later this afternoon. We're recording this on a Tuesday morning. If you have any questions or comments for the show, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address, or you can give us a call, 424-254-9141. That's 424-254-9141. Leave us a voicemail. You can also send us a text at that number. We appreciate that. Uh, before we jump into everything with Dan, I want to talk about for him. So new sponsor to the show. Did you know 66% of men start losing their hair by the age of 35? Is that hairline slowly starting to move backwards? Any bald spots yet? When you start to notice hair loss, it's too late. 4 is a one-stop shop for hair loss, plus skincare and sexual wellness for men. You get medical-grade solutions, real doctors offering well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions to help you keep your hair. These aren't herbal supplements. They're prescription solutions backed by science, and they're shipped directly to your door. So order now. My listeners get a trial month of four hymns for just $5 right now while supplies last. Go to the website for full details. That would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or a pharmacy. Go to fourhymns.com slash USC. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash USC. Fourhymns.com slash USC. All right. Well, let's talk some USC Trojan football with the aforementioned Dan Weber. Beat writer and columnist at uscfootball.com. Dan's joining us now. What is up, Dan? How are you? Oh, doing good. Doing good. Glad we're having a little more clarity after uh, after uh, Saturday and that uh, kind of first real kind of a scrimmage sort of a of a look and uh, with a sense of uh, you know where this team might be able to go. We we have a little bit of a sense. I I will caution people that when we say. Uh, this team has the makings uh, of a team that could be really competitive with its schedule. Uh, I'm not telling you to take every dollar you've got in, in the bank and go to Las Vegas and bet on the over uh, for the season and wins. Okay, we have no idea how the season's going to turn out. We have no, uh, it's, it, it's not a uh, guarantee of they're going to figure it all out. They're going to coach them up. They're not going to have any injuries. And, you know, people say, oh, you said this last year, da, 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 da. you know, uh, last year didn't turn out so well. They didn't exactly coach them, <laughs> coach them up. Could they? Yeah. Could they have beaten Ohio State? Absolutely. They, you know, they gained 400 yards, uh, 200 and whatever the heck it was that Ohio State had. You know, if they don't, you know, if they do one thing better, protect the quarterback, they win the game. Defense, you know, Probably one, you know, played a, a winning game. So when you say USC has after, you know, and you're right after the scrimmage, USC has the elements of a team that could have a successful season, even though 
you know, we still have no idea how the quarterback thing is going to work out. I don't think that's, uh, uh, that's saying too much for this team. I mean, let's face it. They've got better talent than anybody uh, that they're going to line up against uh, in terms of, you know, athletes, numbers now, uh, you know, players coming out of high school, recruiting rankings, all that kind of stuff. Uh, nobody on their schedule has a better roster. Uh, where does that roster end up? How do they, uh, you know, perform in all those games? You know, are they ready week to week? Do they look great? I was talking to our, our guy from Alabama who was here two years ago who was looking at USC in, in preseason before the Alabama game, and I remember he was here after the first two weeks of, of uh, August practice, and I was pretty upbeat. He was pretty good when they were, you know, it was kind of an extension of spring practice where it was fundamental and physical and competitive. And then they got started getting ready for the Alabama game. And the last, you know, two and a half weeks or so, uh, gosh knows what they did or what they got, you know, got done. Not very much. They kind of took a step backwards. And that's what, you know, you can like them the way they're developing now. But they have to keep developing. They have to keep getting better. They have to get better over the summer. They got to get better in August. And then they can't slow it down once they get into the season. And that's the big, you know, they've got the pieces that you could have a pretty darn successful season with the pieces they have. Whether they'll get those pieces to fit together, whether they'll get those pieces young as they are in some of the places. There's a lot of talent on this team, especially on the defensive side of the football. And uh, it's up to, you know, the people that are putting this team together. It's, you know, it's Clay's third year, full year. And uh, this is a year, I think, that really has to happen. But, uh, but I don't think we're blowing smoke to say that, the, you know, the pieces are there. Whether, you know, the end result is, that's up to them. But... Uh, they're not going into this season, in, you know, they're, they're not going into a game this season where the other team will line up more good players than USC will. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, you know, obviously going to be some tough tests playing on the road at Stanford, Texas early with a young quarterback. Who knows what kind of mentality that puts the team in, but certainly the pieces are there. The, uh, you know. And that's and- what I like. I, what I like is a defense first team for a team that has to go on the road early. That's, a, I mean, if people don't remember the opener, 2003 opener at Auburn, they ought to go YouTube it and, uh, and watch uh, what a, uh, a team with a young quarterback playing on the road in a very hostile environment against this, uh, an Auburn team that was better uh, talent-wise than either you know, uh, Stanford or Texas are going to be. And what a team with just all-out, smart, tough defense can do in that situation. And that's where you like the thought that this team will have the ability to be that kind of a, you know, that kind of a shutdown team. I mean, you know, uh, I think they got there a little bit against Ohio State. uh, And I think they were maturing. You know, had a couple of breakdowns, you know, uh, the game before against Stanford in the secondary but um, they were getting there a little bit. I think they, you know, the whole 
third year of Clancy's system and the communication and all that, and the number of athletes, the number of, of, of guys that can run to the football, of, of, you know, big guys up front, you know, where you've got two and three people that you can line up at a position, uh, the return of Port Augustine, all the linebackers, you know, all the safeties. Uh, corners just uh, finally looking like they really understand how you have to play the position. Uh, I mean, I think that's where, you know, they got to hang their hat and say, look, we got a defense that's going to be good enough, you know, to win these games for us. Uh, you have to have an offense and quarterbacks that don't lose it. You know, they take advantage of it. You got to have an offensive line that, that obviously has to step up over last year, you know, by a factor of, I don't know how much, but, uh, uh, but I think when you've got a defense, it's like in baseball, if you've got good pitching, you can be in most every game. And I, I think it's a very similar situation that this team, you know, that we don't overstate, you know, how important the quarterback is. Yeah. It, it, obviously, you know, if you want to get into that final four and all that kind of thing, you got to have a quarterback that comes through. Although Alabama has done it at times with, more just uh you know acceptable guys who who are decent but uh not all americans uh so you know you see how the quarterback we'll see how the quarterback thing goes but uh i think they've got a defense that uh that gives them a chance uh every single time they go out well what did wanted to talk about the uh scrimmage on saturday so a lot of people out there you estimated maybe close to a thousand people we're out there with a the coach's clinic, so definitely a lot of uh, eyeballs on this team. Um, I thought Matt Fink played pretty well. I thought it was probably Jack Sears' worst practice that you know with any focus, with any focus on where he's throwing the football a bunch. Um, what did you kind of think overall of how the the scrimmage situation, the situational scrimmage where they were doing some tackling, uh, went? Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is so kind of in control in a way that I think they did some of the things they did on defense in order to give the quarterbacks uh, different looks in order to give the, we're talking to T afterwards and he mentioned about how, you know, he asked Clancy to, you know, play cover three or do this or that to just see how the quarterbacks would react, give them a chance, maybe, uh, you know, to find some people down the field. And uh, I just think it was a, you know, one of those uh, uh, days where it all just seemed to get, you know, the better of, uh, of Jack. Uh, and it's some of that sometimes is the combination of who happens to be where, you know, as far as the wide receivers are concerned and all that, uh, that you just don't have maybe the window to throw into that you, you thought you had. And, uh, it just seemed like, you know, the game was going a little bit fast for Jack, uh, uh, Saturday. Uh, but you expect that a little bit. I mean, he is, uh, you know, he's a year behind Matt and, uh, uh, he's, uh, he's catching up. I mean, he didn't really get to do this last year. You know, he was more the scout guy and he got in just a, you know, a little bit, but, uh, uh, you know, as the third guy. So, uh, you know, you would expect him to be, uh, you know, be just trying to get up to speed and, and, you know, obviously this defense has a lot of athletes. A lot of guys that uh, you know can get in your face on the rush, and then you got linebackers that uh, are pretty good, you know, coverage guys and drop in coverage, and, and and pretty athletic. And then you've got just a ton of really big, uh, you know, strong and uh, really experienced. I mean, you know, with uh, you know, Biggie Marshall, 
one of the bigger cornerbacks in the country and, a, and a, just a great athlete and uh, and Marvell Tell, uh, who just, you know, just looks so good, uh, you know, at this point and so athletic. And, and uh, Jonathan Lockett's return, I mean, he, you know, there aren't – you don't have that, you know, well, we're now we're going against the second team. Maybe we can, uh, you know, find some sort of uh, – you know, opening or edge or whatever. Every play, you, you got to make a really, really good play, and and it was, uh, I think it was tough for Jack, but uh, you know, it's the kind of thing you you know you 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 learn to come back from, and you learn to work your way through, and you watch that film, and you and you you know you pick up on all the all the things, uh, and uh, you know, it's gonna be an interesting challenge, you know, for Jack. I mean, because I think for a while we've been thinking. You know that quarterback thing is kind of close, and Matt's got the natural edge. Uh, I don't know that anybody's thinking that now. Uh, it, it's pretty clear, uh, you know, that this is—it's not that kind of a quarterback battle right now. It'll be interesting to see, you know, can Jack get it back to that place uh, the last two weeks, or or you come out of spring with uh, with Matt Fink, you know, the clear leader as he is right now. Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. It's a good challenge. You know, this is the kind of challenge a USC quarterback needs. You got to be able to handle this kind of challenge if you, you know, you want to move on and, and be the guy that handles uh, the challenge of leading USC football in a regular season, where you know, USC fans are still going to be hoping that they're, uh, you know, going to win the Pac-12 and be in the national, you know, championship picture and go to the Rose Bowl and all those things that, you know, that are always going to be the goals. Uh, that's a, that's a high bar for a, you know, for a young quarterback. Well, let's jump into some questions, Dan. We got a bunch. Uh, people want to know everything about this USC football team. Maybe we'll start with Tarek. Can you see Caleb Tremblay or Jay Tufele starting this year? See, I don't know the starting word. I can see them. Absolutely. They're going to be on the field. They're going to be in the mix. They're going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, there are more, obviously, I think, more, quote, starting players available up front than there are starting positions. So I don't know that we're uh, technically going to be looking at, you know, this guy's a starter and this guy's not a starter. I think, like, like say a Christian Rector, he's, he's a situational guy where they know the situations he's so good in, and he's going to be on the field you know, for those kinds of, you know, passing situations, those kind of situations maybe where, you know, they they need him in as a, you know, as a down guy, but as a, a down guy who can get to the quarterback. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, Caleb Tremblay is a baller. I, I just think he's a, he's, he's not what I expected when I saw, you know, I guess I saw some video and then I saw his, you know, height and weight at 275, and he doesn't look like that. Now, that's what you find out is some of the junior college heights and weights aren't exactly, um, uh, you know, what, you know, they're not exactly uh, correct. And he looked bigger than 275. He's way thicker, bigger upper body, uh, uh, a little, you know, maybe not as lean, uh, more of a, you know, a down, uh, you know, really get in your face kind of a guy. Uh, who looks like he could really play Jake Tafelli, uh, he can fly. I mean, that's the thing that showed when he was coming out of high school is, you know, for a big body kid, he's got feet that get him, get him moving. And he made a play Saturday. I thought at the far, you know, he was lined up at the left tackle 
and made a play on the complete opposite side of the field at the sideline, just ran through somebody. And, uh, you know, he's, uh, he'd been a real impressive kid. And that, but then you've got, you know, uh, Marlon Tui Peloto is coming back and you got Malik Dorton, I think has looked, I have been really pre- impressed with Malik Dorton and then Brandon Peely, who they love and as they should. I mean, that's a lot of guys that could put their hand down and, uh, and get after people, uh, which is kind of a good thing to have. Hey, Dan, you talked in the, the your optimism in the beginning of the show about kind of relying on the defense. There's a voicemail question having to do with that. I'll uh, play it for you. JD from D.C. Uh, with a question for Dan this week. Dan, looks like USC is going to have to depend upon its defense this year, certainly for the first three games, regardless of what the impact of JT Daniels is. Um and that's fine, but doesn't that require that USC win the field position game and or score points on special teams, both of which are dependent upon special teams? Given last year's lackluster performance, it seems to me we're going to be losing a couple of low-scoring games uh, at least early in the season. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, those are the kind of predictions – I just think it's way, 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 way too soon to be talking about losing low-scoring games early in the season. Uh, first of all, uh, I think if you take away the the inability to return punts, uh, special teams weren't weren't terrible. Uh, they were okay. Uh, I think the fact that they didn't have a punt returner, they didn't have anybody could catch it or return it. Uh, really made life difficult. I think that was, uh, that was a terrible mistake. That was uh, the kind of thing that maybe they've corrected by uh, taking Coach Baxter and saying, no more tight ends, you just coach special teams. Uh, I thought they went after it the first time we've really seen them uh, uh, work on punt returns the other day. Uh, I mean, I thought they had a chance to, to have somebody there, uh, Trevon Sidney, uh, even a Tyler Mons, uh who could catch it and had, you know, the confidence and the elusiveness to, to make some kinds of moves. I think Vilas Jones is now getting to that place where, uh, you know, you can catch kickoffs and that's not such a big deal, uh, but catching punts under the coverage and all that with the way, you know, the punt, you know, you gotta be a really good center fielder to, to do that. Uh, I think it's a different, you know, it's a different story. Uh, and then you've got guys that we haven't seen do that. Greg Johnson, I think, will be back and ready. Is he a, is he a punt, you know, punt return guy? And then Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, who, uh, let's face it again, punt return is not something you teach. It's something you either can do or you can't do. you got to have the confidence. you got to have the hands. you got to have the quick burst. You just have – I mean, nobody taught Adoree how to be a punt returner. He was a punt returner. Uh, I think they will find that guy this year, and that will change a lot because this team has enough athletes, like, you know, the kinds of guys you put on special teams, the linebackers, you know, the big safeties, those guys that are physical but they can run. This team has a lot of those guys. And uh, I think that's going to make a difference in terms of, uh, you know, coverage and in terms of uh, of, uh, of return, the return game. Uh I watched the kickers the other day. I think, uh, I think, I think you know Chase McGrath looks like he's uh, he he's got a, a pretty strong. I mean, I think he hit one that obviously I think would have been from good from 55 the other day. 
Thomas Fitz, uh, the ex-walk-on quarterback, uh, you know, started a little slow, but I think he may, you know, give him a, you know, a second guy. We haven't seen Michael Brown, you know, back yet, but, uh, uh, and, and I think, uh, you know, the, uh, Budrovich is a pretty, you know, serviceable punter. So I'm not quite as down on uh, on special teams maybe as you are, but uh, but they got to get the punt return game going. That was uh, that was embarrassing, and and a, a major loss every single time they went out. Uh, so, uh, but uh, I think uh, and I think they know that. You know it. I know it. Uh, I think if they I think if they get in low scoring games in the first two on the road, I think they'll be fine. I think they got a chance. They can't turn the ball over obviously, uh, but they're going to know that, and they got to block people. I mean, I think knowing this, they know, you know, last year, I think there was a sense of, well, Sam will do something. We're going to, it'll all be, uh, you know, second half of the, uh, you know, Penn State game in the Rose Bowl, and somebody will do something, and we'll be fine, and blah, blah, blah. No, they, they you know, you got to go out and block people. You got to block them every play got to be in on every play you got to make you know you got to be physical and make contact do all those things well they know that going in this year and none of this you know sam is the savior we got sam and rojo and deontay what what more do we need to do on offense we need you know a lot more uh and they didn't seem to get that it just didn't all come together on offense last year uh despite all that talent that was the amazing thing uh about last year and that can't be and they know it they got to get it right schematically. Uh, no more running, you know, guys that's in short yardage situations in the, uh, you know, at the point of attack where there are more defenders and there are offensive people. Got to get all that squared away. Um, we think they know they do. Now they need to come up with those answers. But uh, but I'm a little more optimistic uh, about that. Uh, I just think if you think you're going to be able to be in low scoring games. Um, uh, which I think this, I mean, that's the good news that you're going to be in low scoring games, uh, you know, at Stanford and Texas, uh, USC should have enough athletes to be able to win games like that. Uh, that's, that's my take. It should, should have, Yeah. should be able to. All right. We got a text question, man. We got a lot of them today. We'll try to get through them. Uh, our DBs are looking pretty good. Uh, the text, the texter didn't leave his name or her name. I'm not sure, but does that hurt Jack Jones's coming back as a starter? And if he loses his starting job, which DB do you think that might uh, would might take over that starting position? See, uh, I mean, you know, it makes it it might be a good thing for Jack to know how well these guys are playing and how much competition there is and how much he can't take a playoff and how much he can't do his own thing and he's got to do what they want him to do and all of that kind of stuff. So, so I think, you know, in, in some ways this could be very much of a motivator for him knowing how well, uh, you know, this team is playing coming out of spring, uh, guys that you have to like, uh, you know, and we know the ones that were, you know, the here last year with Isaiah Langley, uh, opposite, uh, Iman Marshall. Uh, but, you're also seeing, uh, we hadn't seen, uh, uh, coming back, we hadn't seen uh, Jaquari, uh, you know, Godfrey healthy. Uh, and he's, he's looked, uh, he made some plays. Uh, but uh, uh, Greg Johnson, a freshman with the collarbone, uh, 
uh, isn't quite, they're not quite letting him go all the way back, uh, you know, full contact yet. But, but he, uh, is, is, you know, is a, a new guy. Obviously, you've got the two uh, incoming freshmen. And then you've got uh, Jonathan Lockett, who has just looked terrific coming back uh, from his hip surgery. And you forget, you know, here's a kid that, you know, was a starter in his younger years at times and, and played in some big games at the end and, uh, and made big plays. And, um, you know, now he's got, you know, that experience and he looks healthy as can be. Uh, you know, he's, you know, somebody to keep an eye on. With this defense, I'm not, and I know they don't, you know, always like to switch up that much. I just think this is a defense where the word starter isn't going to have maybe the same relationship um, um, as uh, as it's had in the past. It's just going to be, I think, uh, uh, much more rotation. Let's see. We got uh, we got one from Santa Clarita, Paul. He says, hello, Dan. The expectation is that Clancy Pendergast will substitute more next season, but how? Uh, but how will he accomplish that? Will entire position groups be substituted in for a few plays, or will guys be substituted in individually? If you were in Clancy's position, how would you do it? Thanks, always, Paul and Santa Clarita. I think they're going to do it a couple of ways. I think they, you know, you might, you know, rotate uh, based on, uh, you know, the number of plays or the number of series. And I think they're going to rotate based on situational uh, deals. So I think you're going to see both. I think they're going to do them some individual stuff and, and, and maybe uh, as groups, uh, you could see them maybe uh, in terms of the, the down linemen, maybe doing that more as groups. Uh, you probably won't see that in the secondary. You wouldn't think uh, where you, you know, you keep the positions uh, uh, somewhat, you know, separate, but, um, but, uh, but I think they'll, I think they'll substitute a couple of different ways. Uh, I, I think, uh, for example, with the, the outside linebackers and that, uh, I think clearly there will be a situational element there or whether how you play uh, Christian Rector um, will be a situational element uh, and, and all of that kind of thing. So uh, um, I think that's going to be an interesting challenge. Uh, we know that, you know, Clancy hasn't been a big uh, substitution guy. So uh, this is going to be a, a different challenge for him uh, and, and being able to, uh, to uh, you know, get, get this right because he's, you know, he doesn't want I – mean, one of the things we're seeing in the spring – we're really not seeing the bust in the secondary, uh, you know, with anybody. Uh, and last year you'd see it with the, you know, the first string uh, would have those kinds of busts. And you saw it with uh, uh, a team that gave up uh, 13 plays, I guess, of 40 or more yards. That's just unacceptable. You can't do that. That, that just shouldn't ever happen. And uh, it doesn't look like it's going to happen much, you know, much this year. Uh and whether, you know, substituting, uh, you know, does that get you a little nervous? Or you're thinking, gosh, you don't want to, you know, get somebody in there and substitute and, and give up a big play because of a miscommunication. Uh, I think that's one of the things we haven't talked about as much is that they thought that communication Saturday on defense was terrific. Uh, and they certainly do look like they're talking to one another. Uh, I think um, Cameron Smith just is so motivated to have a good team to be, you know, have a good year, have a good, you know, finish to his career. 
And I just think he really uh, exercises that, you know, I mean, here's a kid that's been able to communicate since he was a freshman, and now he's a senior. And I think that's what, you know, where you benefit from somebody like that coming back. Uh, and and then you get a Port Augustine who just wants it so bad, so badly, uh, that he, uh, you know, he just exudes this kind of, you know, we're all in this together, let's get going, you know, and, and, and then you got a lot of young talent. Uh, and uh, I think I think it's a kind of a, a you know a defense that goes together well, uh, but uh, but that'll be you know that'll be Clancy's challenge is just figuring out how to put it all together, who, when, where, um, you know, it's gonna be it'll be interesting to watch. All right, let's see. We got one from Joan. Uh, she says, "Hey Ryan and Dan." This is Joan. I've enjoyed listening to the podcast and watching Keely and Dan on YouTube. Thanks so much for all the great info. There seems to be a change in the excitement of the coaching staff when listening to them. From Clay Helton to Ronnie Bradford, they seem to be excited by the depth of the roster now after some devastating years from sanctions and the Sarkiffin era. How much do you think that lack of depth has limited what the coaching staff was willing to execute uh, with the team last year and the mistakes they made? Do you see a difference and feel a difference at practice? That's from Joan. Yeah, Joan, I mean, excellent observation. I think where it impacted them the most was in practice. I think it, it it made it harder, I think, to to really push them in practice. I mean, when you would hear about how Ohio State was pushing them when they got to Dallas for the Cotton Bowl and in a two-hour, you know, full pads practice, first two days, boom, boom. Ohio State wasn't worried about, you know, getting somebody hurt or whatever. They had so many guys, especially you know, on defense, so many guys that they said, heck with us. We're going to, you know, we're just going to push them and push them, and we're going to be very, you know, physically ready. And that hasn't been the case with USC. There has always been a hesitation, I think, because of the sanctions, because of the numbers, that, you know, it doesn't do any good to get to the, you know, game, you know, ready to go if, uh, you know, you got a bunch of guys sitting on the bench that are hurt. So I do think there's a different recognition of that. Uh, I mean, it's so clear, it's so clear on defense. On offense, for example, you got you know four starters back on the offensive line, and then you got all those all those young guys behind them with the big bodies and you know that we haven't really seen on the field. But uh, you know, I think they realize they need to be pushing them. I think they've been real pleased that the two centers they can trust. Uh, uh, two, you know, redshirt freshmen and a freshman, and and Dadich and uh, and Nealon, and it's like, well, okay, that, that that's a good, you know, feel about, um, uh, you know, how this how this team might go. I think they're real pleased that you know they've got um, they feel three running backs, all that could be starters. Um, so there, there's a sense of uh, you know still looking for you know the next uh, you know in line wide receivers that's going to step up after um, uh, you know after Tyler Vaughns and uh, and Michael Pittman but uh, but yeah I think uh, they're really you have to be aware of how different this is to have a full roster uh, and maybe you know still a quarterback you're you know, you're not real deep, you know, just have three guys that can throw the football in practice. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, I think they feel really good that Holland Thomas, uh, the walk-on uh, from, you know, Brentwood kid, uh, six, six, uh, with a good arm, had, you know, gives them that third quarterback at practice. Uh, but, uh, and so they'll have four. So, 
you know, you can get along with, you know, with four, but, uh, but numbers are, uh, you know, numbers are so different. You just, I mean, it's just a pleasure, uh, you know, to, to see, uh, and to know that you got guys coming on like Isaiah Palomalo and Greg Johnson and, and that group that, that haven't, you know, that were, were sitting out, uh, uh, last fall who are going to be back and, uh, you know, add to the guys that are on the field right now. Uh, so, so I think, I think you, you couldn't not uh, adjust for that and look at that and, and feel better about that. And I do think, I think it's, you know, it's pretty clear that they do. You know, Dan, I forgot to mention this at the top of the show. Uh, well, two things. Um, I want to talk about Trader Joe's, someone that, you know, a place that we both like to frequent. And I was over when I was over at USC, got to check it out recently and go over and pick up a few snacks. Uh, I've been doing the uh, yogurt for breakfast, but I know we're both big fans of Trader Joe's. Uh, you can go to TraderJoe's.com yep. for more information. I'm sorry, what was that, Dan? I just said, yeah, yep. Got a new one in Tustin, so uh, Orange County, uh, we're, we're Trader Joe's all the way. Nice. Oh, we got I got the, the one near me in Hermosa Beach that I go to a lot, but the one near USC is really cool. If you go down to a spring practice, you definitely want to go check it out. It does not look like uh, we got permission to do any sort of uh, spring tailgate, so I've got some follow-up from that. So we were trying to do something with Trader Joe's. We'll plan something for the summer uh, with Trader Joe's, but I just wanted to let people know that, unfortunately – uh, that was not going to happen. So I don't know what the, you know, there's uh, some policies about, and I, you know, I'm sure we could, if we wanted, really wanted to get around it somehow, but I just don't want to like push it and all that kind of stuff. But um, definitely go check out Trader Joe's They're They're not on Twitter, but they are on Instagram at Trader Joe's. So they put some really cool pictures of uh, different foods and different products that they, that they offer. And like I said, if you're down near USC, go check that out. Um, but besides that, I forgot to mention at the very top of the show, we did a, um, and we still got a bunch more questions too, so we'll get to those, but, um, we did an April Fool's podcast with our friends over at the Reign of Troy podcast. So if you were kind of listening and confused, we put it out on social media and we put it up on the website on uscfootball.com. But basically we decided, well, I kind of come up with this idea. I'm like, you know, we should do something for, for April Fool's talk to, uh, Michael and Alicia about maybe swapping podcasts. So Keely and I went over to reign of Troy and did their podcast and they've been guests here before. And, uh, they came over, Michael and Alicia came over and did our podcast. So just kind of like mimicking and making a little, you know, poking a little fun at the other site and stuff. So, uh, I thought it was fun. I don't know if you got to check it out, Dan, but I, it was a, it was a pretty fun time. I heard a little bit of it and you guys got it right. I mean, you have good ears, I think, for, uh, <laughs> You know, Michael and Alicia, and 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 vice versa. I thought, yeah, I thought uh, I, that's kind of neat to have uh, friendly competition. Uh, you know, between people who who like and respect one another. I think that was a cool idea. Cool. I mean, and nice carry. It, it doesn't work unless you get it right. And so uh, uh, you guys got it right. That was cool. Oh, thanks. Yeah, people on the message board seemed to like it. There was a couple negative Nellies on Twitter that were like. <laughs> What are you doing? Like, if you know, I think someone that didn't like the other podcast or they didn't like when they came over, it's just like, you know what? Those are basically, from my understanding, the two, our podcast, I think, is the biggest. But, you know, Rate of Troy has been very popular. They've been doing it for years. Um, as far as consistent, you know, regular USC football themed podcasts, in my understanding, those are the two ones that the most people listen to. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to do a little thing like that. So. Yep, and I mix it up. It was Easter too, so it was a little weird. Like you're probably not listening to a lot of podcasts on Easter, 
and we put them out both at midnight, you know, but I don't know, it was fun. But I, mm-hmm. I forgot to mention that at the top of the show, so thought I'd mention it. Yeah, now. I mean, just to have an April Fool's Day and Easter on the same day it just seems kind of odd, uh, unusual <laughs> or something. I mean, you know, it's like, wow. I mean, I guess it's ha- it happens before, but I hadn't noticed it before. So, so actually, April Fool's kind of went by unnoticed pretty much i think you guys are about the only uh april <laughs> fool stuff that that actually happened so uh th- that's a pretty good uh you know uh, pulling that off is pretty good all right okay well we'll uh man we got we got a bunch left so we'll, we'll try to get through all these uh mike from lakeview terrace uh i just want to point out that kenny bigelow is a real piece of work okay so if you don't know kenny bigelow is transferring to west virginia now this guy pretends to retire so he doesn't have to help out against Notre Dame and acts like he is interested in a coach's role. I can't be- I can't believe it, but if that's his character, I'm glad he's gone. I've been pleasantly surprised by Talanoa Hufunga, however. I'm worried he will be buried on the depth chart due to seniority. Do you guys think he can do enough in fall to force his way onto the field? And what's your take on the Bigelow situation? That's Mike in Lakeview Terrace. Yeah, I'm probably not nearly as uh, judgmental about somebody who I don't think even at the time he was certain he he was doing the right thing. Uh, I just think he was he was conflicted, but he wasn't probably going to play much at all. And so, you know, it just so happened that it came at, you know, at a time that you decided and then you know the Notre Dame come, game comes up where he probably could have helped and and so I, I'm, I I tend to wish him well he was a good guy here uh I think he was a good teammate I know he had a lot of tough stuff that happened uh and um uh, and I hope he does well at West Virginia and uh you know I'm all all for him uh, his high school teammate David Sills ended up back at West Virginia as a wide receiver and things worked out really well for him. And we always, I think we're, we're happy about that because he had committed to USC, you know, as such a young guy and you always like to see those guys do well. So I'm always going to be wanting to see, you know, Kenny do well. And I, I, I didn't take it that he was doing anything to, to uh, hurt USC or, or just to be selfish or anything like that. And I can see after a while that you, you change your mind. And uh, he was kind of always on the edge. Was he back or wasn't he back or was he, you know, physically okay or whatever. And, um, you know, give him a chance and, and hope that works out, works out that well. As far as Talanoa, uh, he's, I don't know that he has to do any more to make him, make it aware, make them aware that got to figure out something for him to do. I mean, this is a position with, uh, you know, with a lot of young talent uh, that's coming online and big guys and big body guys. And uh, he looks like a natural. And, and for example, I don't know if he's, is he behind Isaiah Palomala or not? I, you know, he was out, uh, Isaiah was out this, um, uh, you know, most of the fall and uh, isn't, you know, completely clear, you know, for the spring. So in terms of seniority and all that, where does that put him? Uh, I just think he's right in the mix. Uh, and, uh, you know, you got, you know, Marvell Tell, obviously. And then uh, let's just see. And Abuda, you know, uh, you know Bubba Bolden played. Uh, but uh, but I think you can, you know, obviously use uh, 
four really good safeties. And uh, so I don't think he'll be buried. I'd be, I'd be surprised. I just think he can do too many things well, and he doesn't look like he's just a freshman coming in. We got one from Matt. If no one really grabs the quarterback job in spring, does that mean an incoming freshman has a better chance? Yeah, without a doubt. I think, you know, the more, for example, that, say, Holden Thomas gets into the mix and you got a three-way, uh, I, I was, you know, saying this last week. I said, wow, if this becomes a three-way kind of where three guys are sharing the position, uh, whether it's a, actually a three-way battle or not. But if you got three guys sharing the position in, in spring, which we've had to some extent, uh, I think it gives the edge to the fourth guy because, uh you know, if you if you're not stepping out of the three in the spring, uh, then it's still really wide open. And if it's really wide open, then uh, guy number four, J.T. Daniels, uh, I think there's an opening there for him. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good way to look at it. And you know how you handle, you know, a, a multi-player uh, battle in the in the fall. Yes, yes, he hasn't had to do that uh, in a good while. So I don't think we're all that accustomed to, well, how would that work? I mean, he didn't handle the uh, the two-player, you know, Max Brown and, and Sam Darnold. That didn't go so well either. Uh, so uh, handling, you know, more than that would be really an interesting challenge. But what I would think it would be is whoever is determined, you know, whether it's made really clear out of the spring or not, who is the guy out of the spring is going to, you know, be going against JT. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, we'll see how that, how that goes. Uh, 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 <laughs> I mean, you kind of wish the schedule wasn't as front loaded as it is, but maybe that'll be a good thing. Maybe that'll focus, you know, that'll be one of those things that, that, you know, uh, tends to, to focus their, uh, absolute uh, attention and concentration on on getting it right and getting the offense right for the the guy who's out there and getting the reps right and 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 going as hard as they need to go, uh, you know, to get there uh, early in the year. And if you get there early in the year, uh, you know, you've done a really good thing, uh, especially if you're doing it with the young guy. So, uh, I think the way that Georgia showed that you could play a freshman, uh, they went to Notre Dame. Uh, early in the year uh, and won uh, the way, uh, you know, Alabama showed that you could play a true freshman at the end of the year and in, in, in the biggest game of all and win. Uh, I think, you know, there are enough examples now that if you have, you know, that kind of a talented player, uh, it's doable, you know, no matter what everybody says, it, you know, it's doable. And I know it's easy to say, oh, I don't know what I'm, you know, well, Things have been speeded up right now uh, in the way college football is and the way kids are preparing. And some of the old rules about, you know, young quarterbacks, I, don't, I think, don't, do not apply. So uh, I do think uh, so far it looks like, you know, there is an opportunity, uh, you know, for a freshman coming in in the fall. I don't think there's any question. This one's from uh, 1977 Trojan. This is a little shade at us, I think. This is for anyone who attends practice. On many co- podcasts, I keep hearing, well, it's really hard to see the blank position group because they're so far away. Is your viewing position bad because they are out of sight or just too far from your designated area? If distance is a factor, 
Have you taken binoculars to practice or are they not allowed? Just asking. Uh, 1977 Trojan. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, you know, it's a combination. Uh, they're very often there are not only are they, you know, removed from you, but there, uh, there are people in the way. There are recruits and, and staff people and all of that kind of thing. So when they do nine on seven run peer team run to start, uh, you're often looking, you know, through, you know, people down to, um, uh, Brian Kennedy field. Uh, I'm not sure binoculars would help you necessarily as low as we are looking into the, the two far corners where the offense and defensive lines work. A defensive line mostly is blocked uh, because there are uh, people and other position groups between, between us and them. Uh, the offensive line is just, they're that far away and um, uh, just when they work with themselves, there's nothing you can really see because they're, you know, they're working on the, uh, you know, uh, positioning and starts and stance and pulls and hitting the sled and all of that. They're, they're not going to really differentiate themselves. And I think Chris Trevino, uh, you know, has done a really good, you know, he gets the absolute far uh, nearest corner, actually, uh, far corner of the uh, media pen and tries to uh, uh, chart the uh, uh, pass, rest, pass, block situations. And that, and you can do a decent job there, but you still, for example, you know, guys take uh, such a wide uh, uh, run, say, uh, that, you know, you might say, okay, that guy, the defensive guy won. He got around the offensive guy, but he might have been 18 yards deep when he got to the backfield, you know, and the quarterback would have been 10 yards in front of him. So those aren't perfect you know, guidelines, uh, uh, with the, you know, uh, the, the one way, and the coaches will tell you the way you, you do that is you watch the film. Well, we're not, you know, we're not getting to see the film. Uh, but, uh, you get a general feel of how things are going. I, I think we've had a general feel, for example, that the two young centers have done a pretty good job and that's just, you know, you, you just watch them every day and you, you get a sense and, uh, and so that's kind of, I think, how you got to do it with the uh, with the offensive line. And again, you really need to see them in scrimmage, like like Saturday. And I thought they held up, you know, pretty decently. I thought the defensive line, you know, was was stout. Uh, but I thought the offensive line engaged in the kind of you know contact and 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 showed the you know the kind of physicality you want to see them. It may not have been, you know, perfect uh, and you know, not a dominant performance because they're not going to have a dominant performance against this group. But uh, I think that's the way we're going to see them the best. We got one from Mark in Crown City. Who is this guy that's showing up this spring to coach the DBs named Ronnie Bradford? The previous version seemed to melt into the background. Watching the 2018 version, he's animated, focused on details, actively coaching, integrating Coach McCullough-like drills into practice sessions, watching Tuesday's practice and the follow-up media scrum, there seems to be a complete turnaround in his attitude and uh, assertive approach to coaching up his guys. An ultimatum from Clancy, uh, contract leverage from the McKay Center, a deep bench with unlimited potential. What happened? Very encouraging. Mark in Crown City. Ah, Mark, pretty uh, interesting observations. We, we've had this discussion back and forth because uh, – 
we talk about the guys we, we don't see well. The guys we do see well are the cornerbacks and and uh, and uh, Ronnie, and they're right in front of us. Uh, and so I've made some of those observations. Um, I, I think it could be, a, you know, some of all of that, you know, or just feeling, you know, his uh, his confidence in coaching these guys. And, uh, and I just think that there's a – uh, a level of detail, I think uh, assertiveness is a good word, uh, stopping and correcting, I think, and you see guys that are just responding. I mean, they're just, you know, last year, it wasn't easy sometimes to get them to do what he wanted. They kind of, you know, and, and I know people will say, oh, not having Jack Jones there helps, huh? Well, maybe a little bit, yeah. Um it was uh, and and having a whole lot of guys uh, that you can coach up helps a lot. So, uh, uh, but yeah, I think it's been noticeable, and I think it's been very much of a plus. And I think Ronnie is responding really well. And I think I think I'm seeing somebody I hadn't seen before, and he looks just like he's he's really happy coaching him this way. So I I, I don't know exactly what the explanation was. Uh, for previous years, but uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing right now. Stephen Poway, they say defense wins championships, but whether or not this is true, it raises an interesting interesting question. I've been having uh, lately as I watch incident analysis reports from Keely and Dan describing how strong this defense is relative to the offense, at least so far. How likely is it that there will be at least one game this coming season where the USC defense literally wins the game by scoring more points than the offense. Thanks for all you do, Stephen Poway. Huh. I don't know about that. But that's, that's, that's a pretty <laughs> big ask. I'd be asking a lot. That'd be a low-scoring game, maybe. I don't know. Uh, uh, I'm not probably as down on the offense as much as, as I, I think they've got potential uh, to put points on the board. Uh, I just think I don't see, I don't think you'll see the breakdowns like you did in the, uh, the Ohio state game, for example. Um, uh, although they did put yards up and, and, and statistics, they just didn't get it into the end zone. Uh, I think they'll be better at that just because they know they have to be, and they're going to concentrate on it. Uh, but yeah, I think this is, uh, you do see some of those, uh, takeaway skills, uh, that that were so important in those early Pete Rowe, you know Pete 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 Carroll years. Um, the uh, uh, Matt Grudegood, uh, Lofa Tatupu, and 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 Troy Polamalu. I mean, those guys set a tone of not just you know taking it away, but taking it away and taking it you know to the house. And uh, I I think you know you're gonna see some of that. Um, and one of the guys, obviously, that we've seen it from already uh, is uh, Talanoa, you know, the Fonga, the freshman. And I think that kind of stuff becomes contagious. If you have guys that do that in practice, you have other guys looking, you know, for that opportunity. And, uh, you know, I think the, you know, the defensive front has the ability to speed people up to the point where, you're going to be looking for those, those kinds of throws. I mean, that was the thing that got them started in that Auburn game. Uh, very first series that Auburn had the ball, uh, they sped up. Uh, gosh, uh, the Auburn quarterback, whose name escapes me now, who played the NFL for a whole bunch of years, they sped him up. And the first thing you know, here's sophomore in a Darnell Bing has a ball 
you know, a duck coming right his way. And yes, he took it, you know, from there. And, um, you know, that was pretty much the end of that game. But USC's kids at that time, now obviously they had, uh, you know, Kenichi Udezi and Sean Cody and, and, you know, Mike Patterson and those guys, you know, going after uh, the quarterback. And uh, life was pretty difficult, uh, you know, against USC. But it all worked together. I mean, they, they guys realized, you know, there are going to be throws, you know, where they throw it up for grabs. And that's, uh, that's the thing that I think he has been missing is that ability to turn uh, your defense into offense and that take advantage of, of the things that, you know, the difficult situations you can put uh, other offenses, uh, you know, into. We got one from, we still got a few more. Sorry. We'll get through these. Barisicuter. Uh, Dan. Uh-huh. Yeah. This is going to be positive. I'm sure. I'm just kidding. Uh, do you get the sense? The staff senses this year, it's going to be up to them to make the season a success. I.e. last year was obviously the Sam Darnold slash Rojo show. While talented, experienced, and deep, this year's squad has lost many leaders and has obvious issues at offensive line quarterback. I don't recall any team in recent national playoffs having questions on both of those key areas. Pendergast and Bradford really seem to be into it this year, and for them, excited. They know defense is going to carry this team. And obviously, regardless of what's been said or the current duties uh, for the Drevno hire, strongly suggests something has to get better along the offensive line, and we will depend on the run game. And Ellis hiring suggests Helton knows the quarterback uh, isn't going to carry the squad and will emphasize continuity and consistency at the quarterback position. And obviously, this team cannot afford last year's special teams flaws I will go on record if USC makes a playoff this year that Coach Clay Helton should be coach of the year, and if they repeat last year's record, get an extension. At any rate, he will know everything uh, we need to. We will know everything we need to about this staff by Game Four. What do you think? That's from Bears. Yeah, I, I think that's that's pretty close. I think um, um, I, I'd go along with uh, with much of that. I, I I think the offensive line can be less of a question mark. Uh, by the end of the spring, we'll see. I mean, I, I would like probably to see uh, the second group encouraged to become part of the first group uh, with four, and when you got four starters back on the offensive line, I'd show them the Ohio State film every game, every day. I think, and pra- you know, before practice. Uh, but if they can get those guys to a place, and they can get the run game and the pass protection into a place where it's solid, then you, then your question is the quarterback. Okay. I mean, I think, I don't think of the special teams is going to be questioned this year. I think they know they, for what all the reasons, whatever last year, um, that was a, a disgrace. I mean, they just, you've got to have somebody can catch a punt. And, um, and, and, and this is not, you know, going after a Jenny. I just thought he filled in because, they needed somebody. I mean, he did a great job with everything he did and, and did the best he could. It wasn't his fault. It's just not his position. Uh, but uh, uh, I think they handle most of that. I, I think, you know, they want to get to the season where the question is the quarterback, and that's that's it. And I know people say, well, that's a big question if you uh, – but, you know, look at what Alabama did to USC two years ago, and they had no idea who their quarterback was. Uh and uh, I, you know, I've had people who have seen, and you know, they won a national championship with with the kid that, 
you know, even last year struggled a little bit. Uh, and, uh, there are people who say, Hey, JT Daniels is, is better than, you know, the, the Alabama kids that, uh, you know, that they were trying, you know, that they played against USC, for example, um, it's some Alabama people who say, I think JT Daniels will be better in his opener than our quarterbacks were, you know, two years ago in, in the opener against USC. So, uh, I think, you know, I think it's on the coaches. I think last year it was, let's not get in the way of, you know, the, the Rose Bowl thing, as much as they said, we're not going to talk about it, we're not going to think about it, that's what they had going on. And they didn't want to get in the way of all the stuff that happened in the Rose Bowl with Sam and Deontay and, you know, and Ronald Jones uh, with what he was doing. And it was like, that'll carry us. And it was kind of an offensive-minded uh, program last year. I think it's clear now that's not the way this team has to go. This team has to go a, a completely different, you know, direction. And, uh, and it, it very much going to be on the coaches and very much on the, uh, uh, you know, week to week preparation, staying physical. Um, we can say it as much as we want. They can say it as much as they want. They can believe it, but they got to do it. And they haven't shown us yet that they can necessarily keep a team, you know, just physically charged up and keep a team that keeps progressing week to week to week during the season with, you know, competitively physical practices. Uh, and so that by the end of the year, they're in a better place. And that was the, one of the best things about Pete Carroll's team. Uh, they got better. You know, they were really good in November. And the most difficult thing about playing a Carroll team was if you played them in a bowl game, a lot of teams, you know, took those three or four weeks from the end of the season to the bowl game and were trying to maintain where they were at the end of the year. The thing with Pete's teams is they were almost always better and a lot better for that bowl game. And that's hard to do. Uh, but he, that was the genius, I think, you know, of, of the Pete Carroll era at USC is the improvement week to week to week to week. They weren't just trying to maintain it. They weren't just trying to get through. They were trying to really get better and compete and they did get better and they did compete. And that's the, the, you know, the thing you'd like to see this team figure out and, uh, and we'll see, we haven't seen that yet. Uh, you know, it's been there sometimes, uh, you know, it was there for, two of the four quarters in the Rose Bowl, uh, two of the, you know, greatest four quarters that USC football has ever played. But, the you know, there were two other quarters that were two of the most forgettable. Uh, how do you get to that point, you know, uh, last year against Stanford? You know, I don't know. We've seen USC play Stanford any better than that first time they played Stanford. Uh, it didn't seem to uh, last through the year, though. Uh, for some reason – there was a, you know, it was a drop off. I think some of it was Sam was not feeling great and an awful lot of what USC did was dependent on Sam, but they blocked the heck out of that in that first Stanford game. And they were physical as heck and that they didn't keep going in that direction uh, for whatever reason is the thing that has to happen this year. They've got to figure out how do you do what they did against Stanford last year early and then just keep getting better and better. So, uh, 
so they can build on that and that'll be the that'll be the key to this year and that'll be this you know that'll be what tells us how you know how this year goes we got a text question with the depth that the trojans accumulated this past signing season do you think it would be beneficial to redshirt all incoming freshmen to learn the system first then be ready to contribute next season no i don't think you make that decision yeah uh, uh, uh obviously you're, you're talking you know jake daniels and amon ra and uh and the corners, and uh, the I think you the best guy. Yeah. I mean, you're not doing any. I mean, uh, for the people who say, "Oh, you know," then you got them for three more. Years. No, you don't. You, you may only have them for two years. I mean, obviously, with Sam, you can redshirt him a year, but then you're getting two years. So I think you play the best players and you coach them up, <clears throat> and you just say, you know, we don't have as much time to get these guys ready, and that's where practice is so important and that's why you have guys like Nick Saban is there every year because he's figured it out and why Urban Meyer has a chance to be there uh a number of years and and, and why you know Dabo Swinney and uh and who knows if the the new guy you know at uh, Oklahoma is the real deal and it sure looks like the guy at Georgia is but you know not only those teams have talent but they seem to be able, you know, to to maintain it and develop it and, and, and get better, uh, you know, by the end of the year. And USC has to be among that group. USC's got to be that, you know, and let's face it, the Pete Carroll, when we look back, and, and I know, you know, people get tired of this, but when we look back, they were a great practice team. And everybody, the players and coaches, everybody knew it. Everybody talked about it. This USC team, has to become a great practice team. It's that it's that simple. With the talent they've got now, they're a great practice team. They ought to be in the college football playoffs. They really should. I mean, quarterback or not, they uh, if they become a great practice team, they got a real shot at it, as they should. I mean, they ought to be able to dominate. If you've got more five-star recruits, for example, than all 11 of the other teams in the Pac-12 combined, you ought to win the Pac-12. I mean, it's that simple. You win the Pac-12, you don't stub your toe. <laughs> you ought to have a shot most years at the college football playoffs. You get better. You recruit the kind of talent USC is able to recruit, and you get better week after week after week. You ought to have a shot to be, you know, to be somewhere, uh, you know, with the 1st of January. And, uh, you know, that's the challenge, but uh, it's there for USC. USC is in a place where they can dominate, uh, and they can call their own shots if, if they get it done right. Well, kind and, of, uh, well like along the yep. same lines, Dan, um, Marcellus in uh, Las Vegas, he said, Dan mentioned the top programs for weight and conditioning, for uh, you know strength and conditioning, like Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I'm wondering who the top programs in the Pac-12 with Chip Kelly's known obsession with sports science and Stanford's emphasis on sports technology, who are our main competitors and how and how do we measure up? Uh, thanks and fight on. And I think that's partly part of this too. To to you know, you want to be that practice team. You want to be a team that takes those five star guys and four star guys and makes them into better athletes. Yeah, and I know. I mean, there's a lot of you know controversy because uh, obviously some of the big guys, especially last year. Um, you know, didn't do well at all, you know, in the weightlifting and all the, 
physical testing and the run, you know, run and what have you. I think those guys, were they almost uh, in their own little world? Maybe when you come in as a, you know, 375 pound, you know, freshman, which a couple of them did, uh, and you're, you know, six, nine, or you're, you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, maybe Alabama could have gotten through, you know, to some of those guys, uh, you know, obviously that guy is, uh, you know, it's really special. I just think I'm looking at some of the guys now and I'm seeing some good things. I'm seeing, you look at Marvell tell and you cannot look any better than Marvell tell does right now. You're looking at, uh, uh, <clears throat> let's see, Giuliano, you know, Falonico, I mean, to go from, you know, 209 to 235 and to be able to run the way he can, you know, run. Um, uh, uh, I really like, I like some of the stuff I like. Uh, I look at Malik Thornton who is still 280, but a different 280 and, and a stronger 280. And just, he just, he looks bigger, but he's not. Um, I'm seeing guys that, that, you know, I look at a Aka Cedric Ware and he's a bigger, stronger, you know, 215 pounds. Uh, so, uh, I think Tyler Vaughn's has gotten bigger, stronger, faster. Uh, so, I think we're seeing some things in the younger guys that maybe we didn't see in the older guys. And I don't know, you know, how to, you know, differentiate that. Uh, I don't think they, uh, they know there's been some real criticism of the strength and conditioning program. So, um, uh, we're kind of kept at arm's length to say the least, uh, from the program. <laughs> uh, I've been, <laughs> been turned down for interviews. Uh, don't have time to talk to you. Um, sorry, not gonna, do it um you know they, they're not crazy about having us anywhere near on the uh you know the field at uh at pro day um and so uh we shall we shall see how it goes i'm a little bit optimistic i i mean I, what we could see last year or, or and, and what we knew about how they conditioned in the spring i mean excuse me in the summer i thought was good they incorporating conditioning and physical movements, football movements, excuse me. Um, I thought they did a good job integrating the two and making them position specific for the players. I thought they did a really good job of that. I don't think USC ever got, it wasn't obvious to me they ever were out conditioned. I always thought they were, they were there at the end, uh, out maybe strengthened quick uh, in terms of the offensive linemen. I think no question about it. If you put Ohio State's D line against USC's O line, that was a complete mismatch. Was that, uh, you know, all on the strength and conditioning people? Was that on the coaching? Was that on the scheming uh, preparation? All of that, uh, probably all of that. Uh, but they've got to do a better job for some reason. The position that just does cry out for, I want them bigger, stronger. Uh, quicker is the offensive line. I think the D line, I thought they've developed uh, really well physically. Uh, I think they look, you know, like they're where you want them to be right now. Um, and I think they're working hard. And I mean, I'm I'm so impressed every time I see Marlon Pelotu out there working out on his own, uh, coming back from back surgery. I mean, he just looks terrific. I mean, he looks great. And Cafele and um, and uh, um, Brandon Peely uh, guys. So in that area, 
I think, you know, I think they figured it out. Obviously, Port Augustine is, you know, maybe the poster boy for strength and conditioning anywhere in the country. Uh, so, you know, they haven't gotten in his way. So I, I, I'm going to be a little optimistic about, you know, the way this impacts, uh, you know, the younger guys coming up and, and, and where they end up. But, uh, but yeah, they've had some, they've had some tough times with, uh, with some of the big, uh, big guys the last, uh, maybe last couple of years. I mean, you know, why is Vianney Talamavaya down to 300 pounds now? That's a really good question. <laughs> he thinks it's the best. He thinks it's the best way for him getting the NFL. Um, you know, you've had had a, you know four years with you know Vianney, um, and it happens in four months. Um, so, you know, there's some misses, no question about it. We have one last thing from Erlen West LA. Uh, he said, I heard Jalen Green's transferring to Illinois. Uh, I believe that is correct. Um, also, Max Brown had, he said, a fairly successful season after he was sidelined with an injury at Pitt. Do you know about his current health status or draft prospects? Was he invited to the Combine? So he was not at the Combine. Um, he seems healthy now. If you, you can check him out on social media. So he's still preparing um, for the NFL draft. So uh, that's the latest I know on him. I don't know if you know anything else, Dan. Well, I think he did participate in Pitt's pro day, but I didn't, you know, keep track of exactly how that went. Uh, but I think he's been out here some. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and then I think he went back to Pitt for the uh, pro day. So, um, so I, 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 I'll have to check that. I, I, don't, I don't know for sure on, on that one. And I'm guessing he's probably, it's a lot easier to get, you know, ready for the NFL, uh, you know, in Southern California. So that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, um, you know, good luck for, good luck for all Max. We're, we're happy for him. For sure. Yeah. Well, wishing him know, the best. He gets a chance and, you know, he could be one of those guys that, you know, just finds the right, right place as a sort of a backup guy that, you know, has a long career. He's certainly a good uh, roster guy and, uh, and a good guy. It'd be interesting to see, where he ends up getting his MBA, you know, he got a, a good start, you know, at, at uh, USC, and then he took some at, at, at Pittsburgh. I don't know how, if he'll, uh, if he'll come back to USC for, you know, the NBA uh, to finish it off or not. Uh, but uh, always enjoy seeing Max, Max around and always wish him, wish him really well. All right. That's Dan Weber. Great show, buddy. And uh, hope everyone enjoyed it. Thanks again for, Coming back to our normal show after our crazy uh, April Fool's little prank show. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, we'll see you out of practice, Dan, in a few minutes. Well, a uh, couple right. hours. Not yeah. too long. Whoa. Okay. All right. We'll Very see good. You we'll see you there. All right. Sounds good. That's Dan Weber. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. And we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. 
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 